Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. You are listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast, the third coast of Texas. The darkest truths from the darkest web need to be told. And you must listen to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning into another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan broadcast. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, and I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas, and it is my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank each and every one of you out there in dreamland. Very sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you all. If this is your first episode... This is your hundredth episode. Thank you for your attention, your time. Sincerely, you are the heart of this endeavor, of this object, mission and objective that we're finding ourselves in on this campaign of absolute truth, terrorizing those in power who seek to abuse us with ignorance and with uh, their dark black magic spells that they call language, they call laws, and they call society. So we're going to be speaking about uh, the American Militia Movement. And remember uh, to like, share, and subscribe to this channel if you're listening to it on podcast format uh, on Spotify or listen notes, for example, or um, you know, Podbreaker, Podbay, or iHeartRadio, or you know, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, you know, whatever hat you have in front of you, Himalaya, the many dozens of podcast uh, avenues to go through to find this podcast. I believe there's over a dozen. Um, I think almost two dozen currently. It's almost twenty. 20 plus uh, different podcast formats or places to find um, the podcast format for the episodes, the audio. Subscribe, create an account, subscribe, get the notifications, you know, like, share, uh, share online, share in your social media, post the links to the episodes through your social media, let your friends and family know what you're listening to, um, you know, share the, the audio to these people for free. It's all for free. You can listen to it on any device, you can listen to it on a cell phone, you can listen to it on an uh, iPad, you can listen to it on, um, you know, a refrigerator with internet access, you can listen to it wherever Spotify is available, um, you know, you can listen to these episodes wherever you are, and there are hundreds of them, they're perfect for background noise, they're perfect for uh, long, hour-long, um, down-the-rabbit-hole crazy conspiracy sessions, they're good for parties, you could have your friends over, you know, uh, enjoy some party favors, enjoy some libations, listen to the uh, long form schizo podcast 
if you like UFOs, if you like aliens, if you like government conspiracies, if you like true crime, I have something for everybody. You know, I'm absolutely like show your kids, let them listen to it as they as they sleep. You know, the voice and power of goodness that emanates from me, my paladin uh, nature, will uh, you know disrupt and destroy all evil forces and their plans inside your house. Uh, playing my audio will cleanse your domicile of all evil spirits and bad vibrations. And definitely bring your house out of darkness and into the light. We are lumined. We are the lumined ones. Yes. Listeners of the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, you are lumined. You are initiate into the world of the clandestine, the covert, the top secret. In fact, we are beyond a top secret ourselves. So we're going to be getting into the American militia movement. Um, this is more of a grounded, uh, real-world episode as I've been getting into these years, uh, th- these months this year, dealing with the Department of Homeland Security, DOJ, federal uh, institutions on this paramilitary level involving Texas independence as a state and how these things are functionaries both of and uh, products to resist and to rebel against these real world, very real uh, machinations. Life is like a video game. These are the different factions that are arising around us as we speak to take the place as revolutionaries or as national defense in case of a national attack or emergency which could be everything from the natural, maybe, say, for example, cartel violence across the border of South Texas or Arizona, New Mexico, and California, um, or a extraterrestrial invasion, you know, like the scene in The Quiet Place or something like that. You know, but there's a real-world reality to this. You know, there's... It's not the the place of myself to judge it or to condemn it or to uh, pass any kind of criticism on it. I'm just going to try to read it as it is, but I am also going to be trying to fight for these groups' dignity and their right to exist Um, because the Wikipedia article that I found when I was looking for this is fucking crazy slanted to one side, and that is the state side, the neoliberal global ward world order you know woke um, nonsense of the super capitalist class of uh, with the European mindset on how things have to be done so the article on Wikipedia is when I put American militia movement into the box the first one it gave me it covers American militia movement as a terrorist, domestic terrorist movement, or an extremist movement, a far-right movement, at the very least. By its very definition and incarnation, it treats the American militia movement as a far-right extremist activity that is illegal 
and unconstitutional or uh, that part being controversial, but it is 100% fucking nightmarishly bizarre and dystopian because what it does is it immediately leads you into two links. When you click the American militia movement, it immediately links you into two links. There's a state defense force or United States militia. Not to be confused with state defense force or United States militia. That's what it says. Now, the state defense force, just when you click on it, you see it for what it is. Like Texas State Army, um, or that, uh, you know, every, every the state has both a national guard and then a state guard. And state defense forces are distinct from their state's national guard in that they cannot become federal entities. They are forever um, basically relegated purely to state activity and are never under the authority of federal bodies or payrolls, rather. But they're always state-funded. Um, even though the National Guard also has kind of replaced them in that, in that capacity... But this also goes into the fact that they're not immune from federal draft uh, services. Say, like, for example, in Vietnam, you could have been a member of the state National Guard or the state guard of Texas, the Texas State Army, and still been drafted into the United States Army uh, for service, say, for example, in war in Vietnam. That, that was absolutely a possibility. It does not exempt you for it is not a part of the federal military system. Okay, so the other one, the United States Militia. Remember, the United States Militia. The Militia of the United States, as defined by the U.S. Congress, has changed over time. During colonial America, all able-bodied men of a certain age range were members of the Militia. All able-bodied men of a certain age were members of the Militia, depending on each colony's rule. Individual towns formed local independent militias for their own defense. The year before the U.S. Constitution was ratified, the Federalist Papers, the Federalist Papers detailed the Founders' paramount vision of the militia in 1787. The new Constitution empowered Congress to organize, arm, and discipline the national military force, leaving significant control in the hands of each state government. Today, as defined by the Militia Act of 1903, the term militia was used to describe two classes within the United States. The organized militia, consisting of National Guard and naval militias. Unorganized militias, comprising the reserve militia. Every able-bodied man of at least 17 years of age and under 45 years of age, the National Guard, or the naval militia. Since 1933, Congress has organized the National Guard under its own power to raise and support armies, and not its power to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia. Congress chose to do this in the interest of organizing reserve military units, which were not limited in deployment by the structure of its power over the constitutional militia, which can be called forth only to, quote-unquote, execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. Right? So that's 
basically where we stand today. That brings us up forward to all the like uh, the fact that this is how the language has changed. It's because the federal government since 1933 has basically replaced the I, form and function and the concept of the militia as being a fundamental caste, like you know, class of Americans, which was the able-bodied young man between 17 years of age and 45 years of age as an integral part of their community's security, including being provided for, armed, trained, and then in basically, uh, like then in service of the state government via their independent communities or their individual, not independent, but individual communities and city levels. And then they would all be organized and summoned up in case of emergencies, including insurrections, invasions, uh, you know, etc. Basically threats to the Union or enforcing the Union's laws inside Union territory. This was replaced by the National Guard in 1933 as a way of fulfilling the creating of the creation of a much larger and fillable international imperialistic army of the federal United States nation. Now in concept, this is what we've been born into and what we know as America. America sends an army comprised of hundreds of thousands of people, men and women, uh, in various trained professions and roles, and they all have to be suited and booted and, and supplied with food and living quarters and trained, and then the technology itself, which creates the U.S. military effort, the U.S. fighting force, the warfighters. Um, very few people do know that uh, the active-duty military is only, I would say, roughly half at most of the United States war effort with the other half being National Guard and reservists being drawn up only in times of mobilization. During the Iraq war, for example, this was very famous because a lot of National Guardsmen were called up to form logistics and support personnel, uh, but they were in active duty war zones as National Guardsmen, which was way more responsibility than they ever thought they would ever have, and much more danger than they were ever expecting or trained for. And the equipment that the National Guards were tasked with upkeeping was actually going into the front lines and serving against hostile enemies in Iraq and Afghanistan, which, surprisingly, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't the active duty you know, the best of the best. It wasn't the cutting-edge stuff. It was the stuff that you would find uh, during a national disaster like in Idaho or like in, in Illinois. You know, like it was just people, fathers, mothers, you know, uh, not active-duty full-time warriors or, or war fighters or, or military personnel. It was people who were serving two weekends a month or, you know, yeah, two weekends, you know, whatever, uh, uh, two weeks a year, you know, two weekends a month, uh, just showing up in your uniform, attending basic training, 
getting the $125 monthly check and just kind of fucking off. And now they were going to be deployed full time for months at a time, multiple uh, tours of deployment and hostile shooting zones in Iraq. That was the reality of the last 20 years. That's what the federal system wants. That's what it created. And that's what it ultimately co-opted and used the people of the United States, the resource, without drafting the volunteers. It has repurposed that entire energy, that cast of people, that class of American, who would originally have become either organized or disorganized militia, protecting their communities and making them safer, and being able to be called upon for the security and defense and provisions of their state and city, you know, city first and then state, um, in a healthy and natural original vision for the United States of America. They wouldn't have been sent overseas to fight in wars. They wouldn't have been sent overseas to serve uh, America's federalist and corporate interests at a high national level. They would have been left and helped to uh, left to help supervise and police their own neighborhoods, their own cities, either in times of crisis or just as as matter of discipline as the state required it. So. You see, there's a void there. There's a vacuum now inside that framework of Americans where able-bodied young men between the age of 17 and 45 who wish to participate in the policing of communities or wish to police uh, uh, security of communities, etc., but want more of a military angle, can either join the police, which people have uh, reservations for philosophically, Understandable. The police itself is a free Masonic institution, so there's a lot of weird shit going on with there. It's not just as what people think. You have to sign loyalties to other Freemasons. It's very corrupt, etc. Um, and it's also just a federalist institution at the end of the day. Even at a state level, it's still basically either just petty dictatorships or huge bureaucracies. You know, like joining the Houston Police Department would be akin to joining a modern-day militia, but you're also joining a police department with maybe... 50,000 people, you know, ultimately working for it, everything from clerical to the office to the courthouses, etc., the different independent security guard units and private security forums, detectives, etc., traffic, uh, narcotics, all those different departments. It's, you know, it's much different than just wanting to train and provide for the military and paramilitary security of an area. Right? But basically, yeah, the police are now it's the modern-day militia in, in many of these cases. But like I said, there's still a void. So you have that option, one option, or you have to join the military. And the military will just ship you away. They'll take you away from your communities. They'll give you the training and that, um, that aspect of it. But you won't have any grassroots to it. So it's either no uh, real military equipment, no real, um, you know... Um, training in that respect and the, the military grade weaponry and tactics and strategies but it would be more of a real life experience with your community much more dangerous much lower uh, funding much less respect in that regard or you could have the military training 
cetera, the technology, the, the hands-on experience, the, the funding and support of the national government, the federal government, um, but still be forced to fight overseas in wars not of your control uh, for the benefit of people you will never, ever, you know, be equal to. So there's no community in that one, right? So the American militia movement, you know, has come to be an outlaw function because the only two legal options are these two options. If you want to operate independently just for your community and your and your um, region's uh, security in case of emergency or invasion by enemies domestic or foreign, or foreign or domestic, then um, you're an outlaw or you're considered an extremist or you're considered a far-right uh, agitator an accelerationist to some kind of conflict that is always is never um, mentioned by name but it's always known to be the American Civil War 2.0 and in the case of an American Civil War 2 these militias will no, have no doubt already been identified as the major players that currently exist and I will try to read the whole list. There's 200 of them, so I may not read all 200 if I can't find a full complete list. But there is a list of active militia groups, uh, which is sizable. And, um, you know, I will try to read as much uh, about them in such a quick time that we can just kind of run through it, right? So that's my, my beginning introduction for why this American Militia Movement article will sound the way it does. is because it is... Absolutely, considering these extremist nationalist groups, I do not agree with that. I believe these are the current factions of real life, um, you know, uh, Americans, of real life human beings, real life men and women that are seeking the best solutions to the amounting problems that are in our modern world historically and in the future and if life was like a video game in comparison to these are these are the various factions that you will see when a shit hits the fan scenario when a national emergency occurs when an invasion occurs these will be the heroes of the people these will be the defenders of their communities their territories and these will be the um forces to contend with in the future during any situation rather if it's mundane like a solar flare destroying the power grid situation or uh, supernatural as they said the, the extraterrestrial invasion hypothesis zombie apocalypse or what have you these are the groups that currently exist with organization these are the groups that currently exist with supplies and with the militia mindset. So I will be re reading the entire article. Just keep that in mind. The American Militia Movement. The American Militia Movement is a term used by law enforcement and security analysts to refer to a number of private organizations that include paramilitary or similar elements. These groups may refer to themselves as militia, unorganized militia, and constitutional militia. While groups such as the Posse Comitatus existed as early as the 1980s, the movement gained momentum after standoffs with the government agents in the early 1990s. 
By the mid-1990s, such groups were active in all 50 United States, with membership estimated at between 10,000 and 250,000 Americans. History Although the far-right patriot movement had long been a fringe factor in American politics, cultural factors paved the way for a wide-scale growth of the ideological militia movement. The catalyst came in the FBI's 1992 shootout with Randy Weaver at Ruby Ridge and the 1993 Waco siege involving David Koresh and the Branch Davidians at Mount Carmel in Waco, Texas. Critic Mark Petakovich described the militia movement of the 1990s. The militia movement is a right-wing movement that arose following controversial standoffs in the 1990s. It inherited paramilitary traditions of earlier groups, especially the conspiratorial anti-government posse comitatus. The militia movement claims the militia groups are sanctioned by law, but uncontrolled by government. In fact, they are designed to oppose a tyrannical government. The movement's ideology has led some adherents to commit criminal acts, including stockpiling illegal weapons and explosives and plotting to destroy buildings or assassinate public officials as well as lesser confrontations. During the 1990s, public attention to the militia movement began to grow. The Oklahoma City bombing on April 19, 1995, the second anniversary of the Waco fire, drew nationwide attention to the militia movement as Timothy McVeigh was associated with the Michigan militia having possibly unattended meetings before the attack. This increased public scrutiny and law enforcement pressure and brought in more recruits due to the heightened awareness of the movement. In March 1996, agents of the FBI and other law enforcement organizations surrounded the 960-acre Eastern Montana Justice Township compound of Montana, of Montana Freeman. The Freemen were a sovereign citizen group that included elements of the Christian identity ideology, espoused common law legal theories, and rejected the legitimacy of the Federal Reserve. Montana legislator Carl Oss mediated through the standoff. Both Randy Weaver, one of the besieged at Ruby Ridge, and Bo Gritz, a civilian negotiator at Ruby Ridge, had attempted to talk to the group but had given up in frustration, as did Colorado Senator Charlie Duke when he had attempted negotiations. A break finally came when far-right leaders abandoned the group to their fate. The group surrendered peacefully after an 81-day standoff, and 14 of the freemen faced criminal charges related to circulating millions of dollars in bogus checks and threatening the life of a federal judge. The peaceful resolution of this and other standoffs after Ruby Ridge and Waco have been credited to some the creation of the Critical Incident Response Group, the CIRG, and the Justice Department. Or, sorry, the U.S. Department of Justice in 1994. A 1999 U.S. Department of Justice analyst of the potential militia um, threat of the millennium conceded that the vast majority of militias were reactive, not proactive, and posed no threat. By 2001, the militia movement seemed to be in decline, having peaked in 1996 with 858 groups. With the post-2007 global financial crisis and the election of Barack Obama to the United States presidency in 2008, militia activity experienced a resurgence. Militia groups have recently been involved in several high-profile standoffs, including the Bundy standoff in 2014 and the occupation of the Malhar National Wildlife Refuge in 2016. Many militia groups, particularly those on the far right, strongly supported the candidacy and support uh, the presidency of Donald Trump 
with the focus on anti-government sentiment being replaced with opposing perceived enemies of Trump who are often alleged to be deeply embedded within the bureaucracy or deep state. During Trump's presidency, support among certain militia groups and members waned in some instances, but solidified and expanded in others. Starting in 2020, militia groups were heavily involved in rallies against COVID-19-related restrictions, gun control measures, and Black Lives Matter protests. After Trump's loss in the 2020 presidential election, militia groups who had supported Trump mobilized to protest the results, including large-scale participation in the Stop the Steal movement, promoting false claims that the election was fraudulent. In the storming of the U.S. Capitol in January 6, 2021, members of the ties to various militia groups participated in the attack. In recent years, there have been increased incidences in which Republican candidates for public office pandering to militia groups in exchange for their support. And, and you can see where the article slant is, right? You can see how it's basically this term, American militia movement, is synonymous now like a biker gang or um, you know uh, communist you know uh, revolutionary or, or anarchist it's slanted now by the political authority corporate capitalism and kleptocracy and plutocracy, oligarchy, uh, monopoly, uh, all that bullshit. The, the true evil of the world, right? The, the hegemon of uh, capitalism and political correctness, you know, has created these terms as villains. And the American militia movement is the villain of the 21st century, it appears. What do the progressives hate and fear the most? Conservative extremists and sovereign citizens. Militias. Opposition to the government. While militia organizations vary in their ideologies and objectives, with many high-profile organizations espousing anti-tax, anti-immigration, survivalist, sovereign citizen, libertarian, land rights, and southern restoration views, they generally share a citation needed, by the way. There's a, there's a little point there. Citation needed. They generally share a common belief in the imminent or actual rise of a tyrannical government in the United States, which they believe must be confronted through armed force. Some believe in the New World Order conspiracy theory. That's just where it ends, by the way. That's how it ends. It's, it's one paragraph, and it says, Opposition to government. Political or legal, legi sorry, legal legitimacy. Most milita uh, militia organizations envisage themselves as legally legitimate organizations, despite the fact that all 50 states prohibit private paramilitary activity. Others subscribe to the insurrection theory, which describes the right of the body politic to rebel against the established government in the face of tyranny. In the 1951 case, Dennis v. United States. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected the insurrection theory, stating that as long as the government provides for free elections and trials by jury, political self-defense cannot be undertaken. 
active militia groups. The Southern Poverty Law Center identified 334 militia groups at a peak in 2011. It identified 276 in 2015, up from 202 in 2014, and in 2022, nearly 200 groups still exist, down from the figures in 2015. The United States Militia Groups of Interest, the ones featured here, I guess the most major, the most, uh, the most impressive and largest, I guess maybe the largest, maybe just the largest uh, militia groups presented here are as follows. The Three Percenters Nationwide Area. The Three Percenters are an American and Canadian far-right anti-government militia. They were formed in 2008... The group advocates gun ownership rights and resistance to the federal government. The group's name derives from the erroneous claim that the active forces in the field against the king's tyranny never amounted to more than 3% of the colonists during the American Revolution. One Canadian expert, Maxim Flesset, a former neo-Nazi who works for the Center of Prevention of Radicalization Leading to Violence, considers the group the most dangerous extremist group in Canada. Canada has since declared the group a terrorist entity. Next is the Not Fucking Around Coalition. The Not Fucking Around Coalition, the NFAC, is a black nationalist militia part of the militia movement in the United States. The group advocates for black liberation and separatism and has been described as news outlets as a black militia. It denies any connection to the Black Panther Party or the Black Lives Matter Party. It was formed in 2017 with motives to establish protection, self-policing, and education in black communities on firearms and their constitutional rights. The establishment of a separate black nation is a suspected motive of theirs. They are active in the southern United States. The Hootery or the Hootari in Michigan, specifically southern Michigan. The Hootari is a militia movement group adhering to the ideology of the Christian Patriot Movement based near Adrian, Michigan and the United States. The group formed in early 2006. The name Hutari appears to be a neologism. The group's website says the name means Christian Warriors, but an investigation by the FBI concluded the word does not have a Christian background. The group became widely known in 2010 after the United States FBI prosecuted them in federal court for an alleged plan for violent revolt. The prosecution said they intended to kill a police officer and to attack the funeral with bombs. The presiding judge dismissed these charges. Three members pleaded guilty to possessing a machine gun and were sentenced to time served.
they are listed ideology as apocalypticism, survivalism, theoconservatism, Christian identity, and white supremacy. Next is the Idaho Lightfoot Militia. Active in Idaho. The Idaho Lightfoot Militia, the ILFM, is a privately organized militia in the state of Idaho. The Idaho Lightfoot Militia is distinct from a state defense force and that is not recognized as part of the organized militia by the government of Idaho, but is rather privately organized by private citizens in the unorganized militia fashion. It was founded in 2009. There is no ideology listed. Next is the Michigan Militia in Michigan. The Michigan Militia is a paramilitary Michigan-based organization founded in 1994 by Norman Olson, a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. The group was formed in response to perceived encroachments by the federal government on the rights of citizens and is part of the wider American militia movement. Its ideology is survivalism, Americanism, constitutionalism, militia constitutionalism, and millennialism. It considers itself constitutional militia and actively has a roster of several hundred members. Next is the Militia of Montana. Active throughout the state of Montana. A paramilitary organization founded by David and John Trockman of Knoxon, Montana in the United States. The organization formed from the remnants of the United Citizens for Justice in late 1992, created in response to the standoff during the siege of Ruby Ridge in Idaho. The Militia of Montana reached their member's high point in 1999, but has largely disbanded after the Y2K threat turned out to be very minor. And this is a date of operation, January 1994, to present the ideologies of American nationalism, American constitutionalism, libertarian conservatism, accelerationism, and conservatism, uh, conservative, sorry, conservative uh, activism. Its status is semi-active. And is considered more a foundational model for many of the current paramilitary organizations operating throughout the United States. So that's more of like the grandfather of uh, current and modern militias, although itself is not, it's not currently active, but maybe provides funding and education coordination and the experience that it possessed as a semi-active you know, militia uh, safe zone. Missouri Citizens Militia, active throughout Missouri. The Missouri Citizens Militia MCM is a private militia in the United States of Missouri. It was formed in 2010 as a private non-governmental paramilitary militia. It has 5,000 plus active volunteers. 
It has no listed ideology beyond being a militia. The Missouri Militia. The Missouri Militia is a private militia in the United States state of Missouri. The Missouri Militia is not a part of the Missouri State Defense Force, which is the State Defense Force of the state of Missouri. It is distinct from the state's National Guard in that they are not associated with or funded by the state or federal government. Its members have been active in disaster reliefs since the 2011 Joplin tornado. Next is the New York Lightfoot Militia. The New York Lightfoot Militia is a militia movement organized and funded by George Cubillo in 2015 from the U.S. state of New York. The group has officially declared its non-support of white supremacy, saying the group includes non-whites and non-Christians. Curbio identifies as a white Hispanic of Cuban and Puerto Rican heritage. Although they have been accused of American nationalism, having counter-protested against Islamic protesters in New York City in a event known as the March Against Sharia. Sorry, that was in Syracuse, New York. A march against Islamists in Syracuse, New York. The event was met by a large group of counter-counter-protesters. It's very confusingly written. The Lightfoot Militia then told reporters they did not support either side, but were there to make sure all sides were able to exercise their First Amendment rights. The Redneck Revolt is next, and this is a nationwide militia. The Redneck Revolt is an American far-left socialist political group that organizes predominantly among white working-class people. The group supports gun rights and members uh, often openly carry firearms. Its political positions are anti-capitalist, anti-racist, and anti-fascist. Founded in Kansas City in 2009, members were present at several protests against Donald Trump and against the far right in 2017. Ideology includes direct action, firearms and first aid training, open carry, outreach programs, food and clothing programs, community gardens, needle exchanges, potlucks, educational events, protests, security and medical assistance at protests. They have a website, rednockrevolt.org, and they have been active in Virginia, North Carolina, Portland, uh, Oregon, Asheville, and North Carolina, or Asheville and Boone, North Carolina. They have been seen recruiting actively at country music concerts, flea markets, gun shows, NASCAR events, rodeos, and state fairs. They were present at the Dakota Access Pipeline protest in 2016.
The next are the Oath Keepers, another nationwide militia. This time an American far-right anti-government militia whose leaders have been convicted of violently opposing the government of the United States, including the transfer of presidential power as prescribed by the United States Constitution. It was incorporated in 2009 by founder Elmer Stewart Rhodes, a lawyer and former paratrooper. In 2023, Rhodes was sentenced to 18 years for seditious conspiracy for his roles in the January 6th United States Capitol attack, and another Oath Keepers leader, Kelly Meggs, was sentenced to 12 years for the same crime. Three other members have pled guilty to the crime, and four other members have been convicted of it. It is still presently active. Its listed ideologies are American nationalism, conservatism, right libertarianism, white supremacy, allegedly denied by the organization, and Trumpism. The fuck is Trumpism? Its major actions have been the occupation of the Mulholland National Wildlife Refuge, the 2021 United States Capitol attack, political violence, harassment, riots, occupations, and armed attacks. Next is the Ohio Defense Force. The Ohio Defense Force is a privately organized militia in the state of Ohio. The Ohio Defense Force is not part of the Organized Military of Ohio, which consists of the Ohio National Guard, the Ohio Naval Militia, and the Ohio Military Reserve. Rather, it is organized, led, and staffed by private citizens. The Ohio Defense Force, originally named the Southeastern Ohio Defense Force, was founded in 1989 as a nonprofit corporation. In 2004, the organization decided to expand statewide and was renamed the Ohio Defense Force. The Southern Poverty Law Center then listed the Ohio Defense Force as an anti-governmental organization. Time journalists conducted extensive interviews with members of the group during a training exercise in their piece, The Secret World of Extreme Militias. After that, there is the Pennsylvania Lightfoot Militia a non-politically, ideologically active, but a statewide extensive constitutional militia, and the Texas Lightfoot Militia, also statewide, non-ideological, constitutional militias. Now, this is what the constitutionalist militias are defined as. The Constitutionalists. The constitutional wing of the American militia movement became active in the mid-1990s in a response of outrage about the violent confrontation at Ruby Ridge, the Waco siege, and gun control legislation. The movement is composed largely of veterans, libertarians, and Second Amendment advocates who share a common belief in individual liberties and civil responsibilities. According to their interpretation of the U.S. Constitution, as well as disdain for what are perceived to be abusive, usurpative, or tyrannically federal government decisions and actions, a set of ideals associated with the values of the militia they see embodied in the Constitution. From the inception of the modern movement, there has been controversy over whether the movement was an important part of complete response to many important threats, or a threat in itself. Scholar Stanley C. Weber and Daniel G. Roadhaver offer a description of the constitutionalist militia movement that identifies four types. The open constitutionalist with the Cascade Brigade as an example. Two, the constitutionalist command structure with the Alabama Constitutional Militia and the Michigan Militia as examples. Three, 
The constitutionalist cell structure with the militia of Montana are the Texas constitutionalist militia as examples. And four, the underground slash no public contact with the Sons of Liberty slash Alabama as an example. Other writers view constitutionalism as the movement having a militia wing rather than a militia movement with a constitutionalist wing. Throughout American history, there have been other constitutionalist revivals in opposition to various government actions. Some writers have asserted that modern revival of the constitutional militia movement began as early as 1958, but that in its early phase was associated ideologically with the white supremacist Christian identity movement mixed with constitutional elements. A fear of communism was prevalent in the United States during the 20th century, against which was set a modern revival of the constitutional militia movement. These militia revivals believed in the sanctity of the United States Constitution and that certain groups are conspiring to destroy America from within. Unlike the Christian identity groups, the constitutionalist militias generally resist casting blame or ethnic, racial, or religious groups, but rather blame influential groups or groups of individuals, e.g. the Bilderberg Group or the Trilateral Commission, who promote globalization collectively known as the New World Order. The Posse Comitatus is an exception to this principle, however, as it adheres to the anti-Semitic theories of the Zionist occupation government, known as Zog. Conceptually, a citizen's militia has been defined as a constitutionalist private army meeting regularly to practice combat skills and discuss weapons. The militia is defined as social groups practicing skills within a distinct territory and are not always anti-government and have some opinions regarding use of terrorism to further military goals or political goals. It may have an offensive paramilitary and or defensive orientation depending on circumstances. Operational features listed in the book Militias of the New Millennium include the following. 1. Training in combat scenarios and weaponry skills in mock actions and maneuvers. 2. Has an identifiable territory in which members reside. 3. Bases organization philosophies on anti-government rhetoric. 4. Development of contingency plans in case of governmental provocation. 5. Considers bombing, kidnappings, separatism, paper terrorism, or other extreme measures to protect the organic constitution. And number six, considers the viability of criminal activity to acquire weapons and explosives for those ends. End article on American Militia Movement. There you have it, folks. The New World Order is real. They control the press and through their digital mouthpiece, the trumpet of Wikipedia, they have labeled, I'd say 90% of all militias as extremist terrorist entities, extremist domestic terrorist entities, rather, for their adherence to the United States Constitution and their declaration of opposition against their illegitimate foreign governments, <coughs> except for the ones that are far left, are racially, are racially identified 
on non-white lines. So basically, white, Christian, or constitutionalists is evil, and far-left, black supremacist, anti-Christian ideology, it, militias are considered um, controversial, yet healthy responses to the far-right extremism represented since 1958 inside of America. And this would apply retroactively to the Black Panther movement, uh, whether underground, the eco-warriors, uh, you know, of Greenpeace, eco-terrorism for Greenpeace, for example, and would help reorganize and justify their existence, not as domestic extremist terrorists, uh, you know, as they are officially known in the OJ, but to these political theorists in Wikipedia, they would be legitimate militias on far-left concerns, whereas all militias of a otherwise extreme rightist, uh, regardless of their centrist attitudes or not, uh, by their very nature, are domestic terrorists, domestic extremists, uh, dangerous uh, paramilitary organizations that are illegal and do not have a legitimate right to exist, regardless of any historical framework or social society, or social like you know construction. Even though they will admit that the United States was fundamentally, fundamentally, universally equipped in all of its cities with a militia comprising every single able-bodied man from the age of 17 to 45 that would participate in these exact same activities which they are declaring extremist, illegal, and signs of radical anti-authoritarianism in their New World Order globalist agenda. And that has been the Beyond Top Secret Texan broadcasting on the American Militia Movement. Thank you very much for listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. God bless you and your families. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much. Peace out.